Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Bottled Up Podcast. If you haven't heard, there was some sad news in racing this week. I figured we would start off the episode with it and talk about John Andretti. He passed away from colon cancer. He was 56 years old. He passed away uh, earlier this week. And so what we're going to do this week, he made multiple NASCAR starts. We're going to give a brief overview of his career because it seems sort of overshadowed, you know, a lot of the time where it doesn't get quite the recognition it deserves. So he actually raced in the Truck Series, the Xfinity Series, and the Cup Series. He won in the Cup Series running for Richard Childress Racing. Or not Richard Childress Racing, excuse me. Richard Petty Motorsports. I had the wrong Richard there for a second. But he actually started off in Australia. He had one win there in carts. Uh, 61 top 10 finishes in 74 career races. That is absolutely unbelievable stat right there. He was the Rookie of the Year in 1987. Also, he raced in IMSA, GTP, and Rolex sports cars in 1986. He drove a BMW M12. He drove alongside Davy Jones, and he was running for the championship in the 1986 season. There was limited uh, success there. But that's where he did most of his sports car racing. In 1989, he actually won the Rolex uh, 24-hour at Daytona for his class in a Porsche 962. It was back then called the Sunbank 24 at Daytona. He drove with Bob Wallach and Derek Bell. He actually won the Pontiac Grand Prix of Grand, the Pontiac Grand Prix of Palm Beach. Say that ten times fast. I dare you. In that same Porsche 962. In 2001, he won the GT class at Watkins Glen, a six-hour race there. That was his sports car career in IMSA. So as you can tell, so far, from what I'm reading off so far, he had a lot of success over various series. Um, Started off in Pennsylvania, won in Australia in the kart series, did a lot of GT uh, racing over in IMSA and Rolex sports cars. He did drag racing. He drove a top fuel dragster for Jack Clark in 93. Uh, in He actually hit 299 miles an hour. That was the car's best. I have that there in the notes as well. NASCAR from 1993 to 1999. In 1993, he made his debut for Tex Powell for Tex Racing in the number 72. North Wilkesboro Speedway was his first start. He finished 24th. Uh, in the 1994 season, he drove the number 14 Financial World Sponsored Chevy for Billy Hagen. And this is uh, paraphrased from the Wikipedia article on him, so I will be sure to reiterate that multiple times. Some of this information is coming from Wikipedia, so if you want to read more and get more detail than what I just have here in the notes, go over to the John Andretti Wikipedia page. It's pretty easy to digest and follow. I just didn't have time to go through and, you know, read everything off. But in the middle of the season for uh, 1994, that's when he first started running for Richard Petty Motorsports, not Richard Childress, like I said earlier, Richard Petty, and it was a Pontiac back then. His best finish was in 11th place. There was a race at Richmond that he finished there. He finished 32nd in points. In 95, he went back over to another team, drove in the number 37 for, uh, it was a Ford Thunderbird at that time, so he switched manufacturers again. He actually got his first career pole that season in the Southern 500, finished in the top 10 five times that season, and finished 18th overall in points. Additionally, in 1998, he returned to Richard Petty's team. Uh, actually, I skipped a part. In 1997, he scored his first career win, and that was at the Pepsi 400. So, 97, he won there. From 2000 to 2005, he got a uh, Cheerio sponsorship. In 2000, that sort of was... What he was known for was having Cheerios as a sponsor. 
He also was part of when Richard Petty switched over to Dodge from Pontiac, as mentioned earlier, and he had multiple top 10 finishes over a couple seasons. He had limited success in the 2000 to 2005 years, though. In 2006 to 2010, that's the next. I'm, I'm using the Wikipedia breakdowns of the year, so if you are following along on the Wikipedia page as I'm talking, you're going to notice some similarities there. So look down to the 2006 to 2010 section. He started running sort of just uh, one-off ser- uh, races and things like that. Not entirely 2006, he actually was Rookie of the Year, or second place in Rookie of the Year standings, excuse me there. And then 2007, went over to the number 10 card, did races over there. He actually drove for Front Row Motorsports in 2008, raced his way into the Daytona 500 by uh, dual racing. And he drove the first 10 races of that year, then left, went over, and focused on IndyCar. So he drove full-time in 2009 after going focusing on IndyCar in 2008, and in it was a partnership between Front Row and Earnhardt Ganassi in 2009. It was the number 34 car at the time before Front Row Motorsports, which now currently has a charter for the 34 car. So he was running in 2009. In 2010, he did not have a full-time ride, so he had actually a 30 place, 38th place finish uh after a wreck in the Daytona 5. As mentioned earlier, in about 2007, he started going back and focusing on IndyCar. He sort of bounced back and forth. From 1987 to 1994, he drove in the IndyCar series. And then 2007 to 2011, he was running IndyCars. He also ran multiple Indianapolis 500s. Did not ever win it. His best finish was fifth, which came in the 1991 Indianapolis 500. Outside of racing, he also did a lot of charity work in central Indiana, especially... Uh, Quoting from the Wikipedia article, each year during the Brickyard 400 week, he worked up with 93.1 WIBC and Dave the King Wilson and General Mills to hold the race for Riley, which was benefiting James Whitcomb Riley Hospital for Children. As someone who goes to Purdue, we have a yearly dance marathon to help the Riley Hospital for Children, so he did a lot of work here in central Indiana. We're bottled up. He's run out of for the majority of the year. He was well known throughout the state. It was amazing the work he did. In 2017, he was diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer. He, we had the uh, Check It for Andretti campaign, and he went through chemotherapy, was, you know, cured, and then it relapsed again in March 2019, and then he died January 30th, just last Thursday, from the colon cancer. So it was a big hit to the racing community. Uh, very, very sad to see. He did so much work for the community, and at 56 years old, he passed away. The other major happening of this week was that the new NASCAR Hall of Fame class is being inducted. Another five members. There are now 55 total. Buddy Baker, Joe Gibbs, Bobby Labonte, Tony Stewart, and Waddell Wilson are all now added to the Hall of Fame. The ceremony was on Friday night. Big celebration. There's the Champions Breakfast. Multiple Hall of Fame members are there. I know a lot of coverage was focused on Mark Martin, especially as he was there, but... They've now been inducted. I know uh, also Dick Bergeron got, he was a famous announcer. He actually runs the New England Motorsports Museum up at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. It's a fantastic place. Uh, I work with uh, a radio studio up there, and I, I every year for the NASCAR race at New Hampshire, we do a radio show the morning of, usually the morning of qualifying as well. Um, some great guys up there, Bob and Bob, uh, very, very nice people, but they work with Dick Bergeron at the Motorsports Museum. So if you are ever up at New Hampshire Motor Speedway, make sure to go and visit that museum. It is an amazing place. They've got cars from 
all all years pretty much. They had Joey Logano's winning car uh, there from his first career win, which was at New Hampshire Motor Speedway, a rain shortened race. So some people say the win doesn't count. This, that, and the other. Um, but <laughs> whatever your opinion is on it, you can go and actually see the actual car that won the race. It's it's an amazing uh, museum. It it's not very big, um, but the land is leased to them. And they just do a fantastic job running it, preserving the history of motorsports up in New England. So if you are at New Hampshire Motor Speedway for the Cup race this year, or the Xfinity race, because there's going to be that there, I know Anthony Alfredo is going to be running in that race, so that is something to look forward to as well. I'll be working media, I hope, and all that at that race. But if you are there, please, please, please go visit that museum. It's run by Dick Bergeron, who now has uh, a little display at the Hall of Fame this year. So congratulations to the Hall of Fame members that were inducted. Congratulations to Dick Bergen for having that uh, set up there in his shop. In, not in his shop. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> in the NASCAR Hall of Fame, um, that little setup there for him is, is quite nice. He was a legendary announcer, is a legendary announcer, fantastic person. Finally, the last thing we wanted to cover here, February 16th. It's coming up quick. If you're listening to this on Sunday, that would be February 2nd. You have just two weeks until the Daytona 500 and just a week until Speed Weeks, which I am beyond excited for. I have anxiously awaited the end of this offseason, although this one did seem quite a bit shorter, and a lot of people have said the offseason seemed to have absolutely flown by. I'm excited for this season. I I feel like there's going to be a lot of good things. I'm really excited for 2021. This brand-new package is going to be unbelievably good, I think. It's going to fix up the racing. I'm excited for the short tracks this year with the new aero package that they introduced and we discussed here on Bottled Up a few episodes ago. It's going to be some amazing short track racing, and it's going to be back to what we want to see. The mile and a half may not be as good as they used to be, and I know there's still going to be a lot of complaints about that, but maybe maybe we just have to put up with it. But the short track racing, the super speedways are always great. It's going to be a fantastic year. I'm excited for it. A far too early prediction for Daytona 500 winner and pole sitter. I think we're going to see William Byron take the pole. I think it's going to be Chase Elliott on his outside. Also, I think Ryan Priest, he is my pick to win the Daytona 500. Purely because he is so darn good at avoiding trouble and avoiding those super speedway wrecks, I think he could come out on top. He had a third place finish at a super speedway last year. Keep your eyes on that 37, no longer 47, that 37 car. I think Ryan Priest is going to take it home. You know where to find us on Twitter, at Bottled Up Radio. We are available on most social media platforms. We're available anywhere you get your podcast. So tell your friends if they're like, I don't use iTunes, I don't use Google Play Music. Well, we're on Spotify, we're on TuneIn, we're on iHeartRadio. We are anywhere you get your podcast. If you can download a podcast from it, Bottled Up is on there. Go ahead and tell your friends. If you are so kind, leave a review. It helps us out a ton of rating. It helps us out so much here. You know where to find us, social media, at Bottled Up Radio. Let us know what you think. If you think I am absolutely insane for even suggesting that Ryan Priest is going to win the 2020 Daytona 500, I want to hear about it. I want to hear who you think is going to win. And maybe, just maybe, there'll be a little something for someone if they correctly pick the winner of this race. Tweet it at me before a preset deadline. We'll have more information on that once it comes out. But you have to follow us on Twitter if you want to see it. That's where we're most active. Everyone, thank you for tuning in every week, and I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Bottled Up.